Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 126, and you can find that in page 499 in your pew Bibles. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And then it is said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Yeah. We're not going to spend all of our time this morning uh, focusing on this, but I'm just, I'm just curious, as a group of people who call ourselves a family, uh, how many of you, uh, yourself or, or somebody in your household, is being impacted by the current shutdown that's taking place? Would you raise your hand? I just wanted to see. Okay, yeah. Um, I just wanted to let you guys know something. Here at Ebenezer Church, we have something called the Agape Fund. And the Agape Fund is there to help people when they encounter times of difficulty. And before you pass judgment on this thing, because I know you're an independent people, the problem with being independent is that there are some times when we actually need help. You know, that's the way God designed us. God designed us to be in relationship and connection with one another. And so, as a family, I just wanted you to know that throughout the course of this time, your household needs, needs just a little bit of help. Your church family wants to be here for you. Reach out to me, call the church office, and uh, we, we want to be able to help one another in a difficult time. And I wanted to start our time together by, by just praying that God will bring a swift resolution to this for our friends who are touched by it. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks. For the amazing people in our lives, for, for all of those who serve, our, our military women and men, for our first responders, we thank you for all of them. But today I especially want to thank you for the servant leaders who are being impacted by this shutdown. And we ask, oh God, that you would bring a swift resolution. It's so easy for us to look at the statistics and look at the data, to hear the, the voices on, on either side, and to feel as if there's little hope. And so we pray for something miraculous, something we never saw coming. And we pray that very quickly this time will be a thing of the past. We ask these things in the name and to the glory of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So... Last week, we're out of worship because of the snowstorm. I feel like we've been in the bleak midwinter here for a couple of weeks. And then we got this whole shutdown going on. And I started to think to myself, you know what we need? We need some joy. So, today, we're going to spend some time talking about laughter and joy. Because I think we need it. There was a guy by the name of Richard Wiseman at the University of Hertfordshire. He did his thesis work on laughter, humor, joy. And he undertook the process of trying to determine what is the funniest joke in the world. So he set up a website. People got to submit uh, their, their jokes. And then folks got to go back and vote to determine what was the funniest joke in the world. I'm just curious if you would like to know what Richard Wiseman tells us is the funniest joke in the world. Would you like to hear it? All right, here we go. 
two hunters are out doing their thing. They're walking through nature. It's a beautiful morning when all of a sudden one of the hunters collapses. And his buddy is terrified. He doesn't know what to do. So he looks at his cell phone. He calls 911. He says to the 911 operator, Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I think my friend is dead. And the operator said, Calm down, sir. I can help you. The first thing we have to do is make sure that he's dead. So there's silence on the phone for just a moment. And the next thing the operator hears is a gunshot. Bang! The man picks up the phone and says, Okay, now what? <laughs> that's, that's what Richard Wiseman determined was the funniest joke in, in the world. Uh, today we are continuing our sermon series called Simplicity. And this, this series is designed to help us move away from lives of anxiety and fear towards simpler lives that God always intended. So today we're going to talk about joy and laughter because we know that lives infused with joy are inherently more fulfilling lives. There's a Jewish proverb. It says, what soap is to the body, laughter is to the soul. Mark Twain said, laughter is the greatest weapon we humans possess and the one we use the least. Henry Ward Beecher said, mirth is God's medicine. Everyone ought to bathe in it. Milton Berle said, laughter is an instant vacation. And one of my favorites, Alan Alda, said this. When people are laughing, they are generally not killing each other. Amen? Right? A Baptist preacher and his wife determined that they needed a dog. But they were really committed to their Baptist tradition. And so they wanted to get a Baptist dog. So they they went to all these animal shelters and they described to the proprietors what kind of dog they wanted. And they just kept coming up empty, animal shelter after animal shelter. But finally, they went to an animal shelter and they told the proprietor what they were looking for. And the proprietor said, "You, you won't believe this, but I've got the perfect dog. For you. So he goes back into the kennel and he brings out Fido. Fido was a remarkable dog. The proprietor said, Fido, go fetch the Bible. And Fido ran over to the bookshelf, scanned all the books on the shelf, grabbed the Bible with his mouth, brought it back, set it down in the middle of the floor. The preacher said, wow, that's really impressive. And the owner said, you, you haven't heard anything yet. Watch this. Fido find the 23rd Psalm, and showing remarkable dexterity, the dog opened the Bible, moved the 23rd Psalm, and went, Rrr. the pastor and his wife, they knew this is the dog for us. This, this is our dog. So they bought Fido, they took him home, and they invited some of their parishioners over that evening. They started to show them all the, the tricks that Fido could do. Fido fetched the Bible. They had him turn to all kinds of different scripture passages, and everybody was amazed. But then one parishioner said, uh, Pastor, I think this is amazing, but can Fido do regular dog tri- tricks? And the pastor said, I, I don't know. Hey, let's try. So he said, Fido, heal. Fido jumped up on the couch, put his forepaw on the pastor's head, started to howl and scream. (laughs) 
pastor looked at his wife and said, good Lord, honey, he's a Pentecostal. In our reading this morning from the Psalms, we see, we see the Hebrew people returning from their exile. It was the most difficult time in the Hebrew children's history. They had been captured by the Babylonians, led into exile for 60 years, and finally God let them go. And the 126th Psalm is the story of God's people returning to the, the, the Temple Mount. It's called the Song of Ascents as they are ascending to the Temple of Mount. And here's, here's what it says. When the Lord brought us back, from Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter. We sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Did you catch that? What did everybody else say when God's people demonstrated joy? They said, look what amazing things God has done for them. Joy isn't just good for us. Joy and laughter bears witness to the people around us in difficult and dark moments when we demonstrate that fruit of joy in our lives, others are touched by it. There was a man placing some flowers on the grave of his dearly departed mother. And he, he left the, the graveyard and as he was leaving, he looked over and he noticed noticed another man kneeling in front of a gravestone and praying. The, the man the man was brokenhearted. He was sobbing. He just kept screaming, Why did you have to die? Why did you have to die? Why did you have to die? And, and the first guy walked up to the, the man who was kneeling. And he said, Sir, I don't mean to interrupt your private grief, but I'm just, I'm touched by your demonstration. For, for whom are you mourning? Is it, is it a child? Is it, is it a loved one? Who is it? And the man who was kneeling took a moment to compose himself and wiped away the tears from his eyes and said, no, it's my wife's first husband. It, it is an interesting enterprise to find jokes appropriate to church. I just... <laughs> Did you ever think about the fact that Jesus wasn't just joyful. Jesus inspired laughter. And, and he did. He really, he really did inspire laughter. Uh, they, there are just some funny things. Like there was this one experience where the Pharisees come up to Jesus and they said, we're really upset with you. You call yourself a rabbi and you don't fast. We think you should start fasting right now. And Jesus' response to them was to say, hey guys, I'd love to start fasting, but unfortunately I've got a party I've got to get to. So I love it. I can't fast right now. I got to go to a party. He described the care with which religious, uh, zealous religious leaders washed the outside of their cups but left the inside dirty. He called them whitewashed tombs. Jesus told us that uh, bullies had big logs sticking out of their eyes. I love it when people put bullies in their place. He talked to blind men about healing, about uh, leading blind, and he talked about um, how the dead should bury their own dead. He talked about lighting a, a lamp and putting it under under a bed, which is... Never a good idea. And, and when the disciples had the audacity to try and keep children from coming to see Jesus, Jesus told them that the children, not the disciples, were in fact what the kingdom of God looked like. Jesus was a man of joy. And as those who follow Jesus, we too are called to be people of joy. A country preacher one day decided to skip worship and go bear hunting. 
And as he was out on the mountain, he came around a corner and he ran smack dab into a bear, scared him to death. In fact, he fell over. He started to roll down the mountain. At one point, his gun went one way and he went the other way and he landed on a rocky outcropping just beside a cliff. He looked up and he saw that the bear was in hot pursuit. And he took a moment to do the only thing he could to pray. And he said, oh Lord, I'm so sorry that I skipped worship this morning. Please forgive me, but do me just this one favor. Oh God, make this bear a Christian bear. And about that time, the bear skidded to a halt in front of the preacher. Knelt down on his haunches, clasped his front two paws together and said, Good Lord, I thank you for this meal I'm about to receive. like we could all get behind the idea that as followers of Christ, we need to be people of joy. And more than that, that our lives will be more fulfilling if we are people of joy. But the problem is we don't always know how to cultivate joy. So I wanted to talk to you for just a moment about some some principles that could help us cultivate joy. Now, there's an opportunity for you to take notes on the back of of your bulletin. And I want to encourage you to do that uh, this morning for this brief part of of the sermon. And you're going to see on the back of your bulletin, it says three principles to joy. I added a fourth and that will make sense in just a moment. But the first principle of joy, I want to highlight it with us this morning. The first thing I think we can do to begin establishing joy in our lives is to enjoy this stage of the journey. Enjoy this stage of the journey. My little girl turned five yesterday and I strongly object Next month, the tyrannical Commonwealth of Virginia is requiring we register her for kindergarten. Can you believe that? Kindergarten tomorrow, graduation the next day. That's how it's going to work. I can see it coming in my head. I got to deliver her. I actually got to deliver that child. I remember it because it was the day of the AFC championship and Peyton Manning was playing and he won. It was awesome. It was a wonderful day and I can't believe that my little, my little peanut has, has grown and, and it's so easy for me to look back with nostalgia and miss those moments of, of, of her, her early development. But you know what the truth is? I, I can't imagine in the history of the world there's been a child more ready for kindergarten than that little girl. She's going to thrive. She's going to do great. She's going to love it. The teacher's going to love her. She's going to love doing it. It's going to be fantastic. And Andy and I, we're going to like it too. We're going to enjoy that journey because we really have, we really have enjoyed each stage, or at least we've tried to enjoy each stage along the way. It's so easy to look back with nostalgia. It's so easy to anticipate the joy of tomorrow. And in the course of that, what we tend to do is we tend to miss the blessing of joy in this moment. So I want to challenge us to enjoy this stage. And it may be a different place where we locate joy in this stage than it has been in stages past. But I want to challenge us all to enjoy this stage, this step along the journey, because it is a gift from God. That takes me to the second principle of joy. And the second principle of cultivating joy is simply to do something new. Do something new. Joy is a gift from God. It emanates from experiencing the fullness of life in connection with Christ. 
And so often our lives lack excitement and energy because we have allowed ourselves to believe that our daily routines constitute all there is to this world. So how do we fix that? Go bungee jumping. Go rock climbing. Go whitewater rafting. Skydive. I told this to the 815 service. They looked at me like I'd lost my head. It's our traditional service. It's it's our grayest service. But I reminded them. We recently got to celebrate the life of George Herbert Walker Bush. Anybody remember how George Bush celebrated his 90th birthday? What did he do? Anybody know? He went skydiving. Yeah, he went skydiving. He did it in tandem. He was attached to somebody else. I would hardly recommend that. But he went. So... Do something different. And some of you may say, I'm not going skydiving. Fine. Maybe your thing is craft shows. Like Pastor Mark. (laughs) Try a new craft show. Do something. Do something new. This is the point where I really, I really want you to, to, to take a note on your bulletin. I want to challenge you to write down something right now that you've always dreamed of doing. Something you've always dreamed of doing. Go ahead, take a second and write that down. What is it you've always dreamed of doing? Okay, now you know what the next question is. What are some steps you could take to make that thing you've always dreamed about doing happen in the course of 2019? Our lives will seem stale and even boring. If we find ourselves in the daily routine that simply doesn't change, we need to try something new. So I challenge you to do that. A third principle of cultivating joy is to identify barriers to joy. Joy is not ultimately about our circumstance. That's the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is contingent upon our circumstance. Joy transcends circumstance. But... There are some places that we can find ourselves in routines that regularly put our joy in jeopardy. So when we find the barriers to joy in our lives, we need to take some steps with God's help to remove those barriers. What is a barrier to joy in your life? Maybe it's in a relationship. I would challenge you to have a conversation. Maybe a barrier to joy in your life has to do with a a work experience. A a conversation you need to have with your boss or, or with a subordinate. Once we identify the barrier to joy, take a step to eradicate it. Most of the time in our lives, these things that are barriers to our joy are also things we can do something about. However, I know that there are some people in this room today who would say, Pastor, I can't do anything about the barrier to joy in my life. Perhaps the barrier to joy in your life is is a tragic one. Perhaps you lost someone dear and close to you. Have you ever thought about the fact that the most joyful moment in the history of the world took place in a graveyard? When Mary showed up and the angel said, why do you search for the living among the dead? He's not here He is risen. Even 
even in a graveyard, especially in a graveyard. We who follow Christ are people of hope and joy because we are a resurrection people. And I know that doesn't make everything easy, but it sows the seed of joy to remember that no matter where we find ourselves, there's hope. And this brings me to a fourth principle of hope, which is to stay connected to the source of joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the nine. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Love is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit of God at work in our lives. So the number one way that we can truly experience joy is by remaining connected to the source of joy. And I wanted to tell you something about this. Last week, we canceled worship because of a snowstorm. But we had over 500 people join us in our online worship experience. We pre-taped a service, a brand new service, and we showed it. And over 500 people, so some of you have already tuned in and, and been born witness to that. But last week during the teaching, I highlighted four steps that help us have a deeper relationship with Christ. And so if you haven't taken the opportunity to go back and look at that installment of our Simplicity series, I want to challenge you to do so. Four steps, four principles to joy. Enjoy this stage of the journey. Do something new. Identify barriers to joy and with God's help, knock them down. And finally, stay connected to the source of joy in our lives. You know, children laugh on average 400 times a day. By the time we become adults, that number drops to 15. It's puzzling because laughter, it feels so good. But not only does laughter feel good, did you know laughter is good for us? Norman Cousins said that laughter is so beneficial to our bodies, it is like inner jogging. (laughs) That's my kind of jogging, church. (laughs) The Mayo Clinic reported that laughter aids our breathing. It disrupts our normal respiration pattern. It causes us to breathe more deeply. And in the winter, helps us break up uh, mucus, which is kind of gross, but it's true. Laughter increases our circulation and improves the delivery of oxygen throughout the course of our body. There's a field of study. It's called psychoneuroimmunology. Psychoneuroimmunology studies the interaction between our psychological processes and our physical processes. And here's what it's discovered. Laughter stimulates our immune system. It it causes us to have white blood cells that are more active. Laughter is good for allergies, It helps to control pain. Laughter helps to control pain. Laughter causes us to release endorphins from our our body that are 50 to 100 times more powerful than morphine. Also, laughter is a natural stress reliever. Have you ever laughed so hard you doubled over? Have you ever laughed so hard you fell out of a chair? You ever laughed so hard you tinkled just a little? Why does that happen? (laughs) There's a reason. Because it is impossible to experience a good bout of laughter and maintain muscle tension at the same time. (laughs) Laugh. A guy named Bob. A guy named Bob was given uh, by his company a, a ticket to the Super Bowl, a pretty remarkable gift. 
But when he showed up to the stadium, he discovered that he was actually a little bit closer to the blimp than he was to the field. So he looked down and, and he saw to his utter amazement that just on the 50-yard line, three rows up, there was an empty seat. And he thought to himself, how could that be? So he started to move. And eventually he got down to that seat on the third row and he nudged in, he sat down, he looked at the guy next to him, he said, hey man, since nobody was sitting here, do you think it's okay? You think anybody will mind? And the guy next to him said, ah, it's, it's all right, it's actually my seat, you're welcome to have it. And Bob thought, oh, great. And then Bob thought to himself, well, wait a minute, um, why, why is the seat empty? I mean, why do you have an extra seat to the Super Bowl? And Bob said, well... Or that Bob's new friend said, you know, it was it was supposed to be my wife's seat. Um, we've, we've been to every Super Bowl ever. We've been to it in person. We've watched it together. But she passed away. And Bob said, I'm so sorry to hear that. He started watching the game and then it occurred to him, wait a minute. And he turned to his friends. He said, he said, what? Why didn't you find somebody else who would take the seat? You know, a, a friend, a loved one, a child. And the man said, well, they're all at the funeral. <laughs> the process... <laughs> The process of becoming an elder in the United Methodist Church is one of the longest ordination processes in all of Christendom. It takes about 10 years from start to finish, uh, college, seminary, and then after seminary, you write a series of papers, and, and you go in for an oral interview, a series of oral interviews with clergy colleagues, and, and then you, you wait three years and you write another series of papers, and you go in for another set of oral interviews, and if all of that goes well, then you can become ordained as, as an elder in the church. I think they do it that way so that by the time you become an elder, you are elder. I think that's the way that works. But I, I was in the midst of my ordination interviews years ago, and, and one of the people on, on my, my interview team acknowledged, he said, it feels like laughter is one of the tools that you try to use in the discipleship-making process. And I said, I, I think that's true. When it's appropriate, I try to use joy and laughter. And somebody else on the team looked at me and they said, do you really think that laughter has a place in the church? They might as well have asked me if Jesus had a place in the church, right? Of course laughter has a place. Of course joy is, is part of who we are. Laughter is good witness. It's a witness that we bring to the community around us. Laughter is something that Jesus inspired. Laughter and joy are modeled for us by our savior, saviors, by our savior. They, they make our souls and our bodies feel better. And if we truly, truly, truly want to give up hectic, anxious lives for lives of simplicity, we must covenant to live with joy and laughter. So enjoy the stage you're in. Try something new. Identify barriers to joy and with God's help, knock them down. And stay connected to the source of joy. And you will find, you will find yourselves moving to a life of simplicity and joy, even in the midst of a bleak midwinter. One final thought today. Last January, we initiated a process here at Ebenezer Church called Appreciative Inquiry. Many of you were part of that process. 
I wanted to let you know that next Sunday, we're going to spend some time talking about the places and the remarkable things that we at Ebenezer Church get to do over the course of these next several years. Based on information you gave uh, to, to, to me and, and a team of 12 people, most of them from the congregation here, we're going to have a chance to, to be excited about where God is leading us. So I, I hope you'll come back and join with us as, as we dream about the future. It's an exciting dream as we dream about the future that God has in store for Ebenezer Church. Between now and then, I wish you lives of simplicity and joy. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks this day, for you are the source of all beautiful gifts in our lives, and you have given us this thing called joy. We pray, O Holy One, that through the power of your Spirit, we will be people of increasing joy and laughter. We ask, Holy God, that you would cause us to enjoy the stages we find ourselves in, that You'll you'll help us to try new things as we experience this fully abundant life. We pray, Lord, that that you would be with us as we identify the barriers to joy in our lives and you help us knock them down. Most of all, we pray that you would draw us closer and closer to you so that we could be connected to the source of all joy in this world. We pray these things as your people, your children, and we pray them in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all of God's people said, Amen.